0: Hello and welcome to the Beyond Brexit podcast. I'm your host, Shalina Poffenberger. So much about our world and our economy has changed since our last podcast. And for a while, Brexit seemed to have been put on the back burner, but rest assured, Brexit carries on. At this midpoint in the transition period, three themes have emerged that dominate the challenge for business. The operational and regulatory processes of moving goods, moving people, and moving data across our borders. Joining me remotely today are Caroline Turnbull Hall, who will bring us up to speed on the trade negotiations, Andrea Owls, who will discuss the new immigration system, and Matthew Clark, who will help unpack the complexities of moving goods across our borders. So let's start by setting the scene for trade negotiations. Caroline, where are we now?
1: Thank you, Shalina. Um, And currently, we've got no real certainty at the moment, other than that we know there won't be an extension to the transition period, which is going to end on the 31st of December this year. And we also know that as things stand at the moment, the UK hasn't walked away from the negotiations. In relation to that point, you might remember back in February, the UK indicated that if sufficient progress hadn't been made by the end of June it would move its focus away from the negotiations and start looking at domestic preparations for the end of transition. Well, we're now past the end of June, the two sides have engaged in reinvigorated negotiations, and so that particular cliff edge has passed. But actually, other than that, there's little certainty from the negotiations. We had the first phase which started in March and ran until June, and that went as far as it could without any political intervention. The Prime Minister and the leaders of the EU institutions met in mid-June and they decided that the negotiations needed renewed impetus. And as a result of that, we started the second phase of negotiations on the 29th of June. This is going to involve weekly face-to-face sessions, as long as it's possible, until the end of July. And the aim is that we get agreement in late August or early September.
0: That all sounds really positive, Caroline, and I can't help thinking that August and September are not that far off. Will it be the case that we'll have more clarity as the summer progresses?
1: I think you're right. It is very positive, but I suspect that we'll have little, if any, real certainty over the summer. There are statements after every round of negotiations, but to date, those have been somewhat Delphic. They refer variously and vaguely to constructive talks or to the totemic differences between the parties. We might find we're able to judge the mood of the negotiations better from the weekly statements that we're expecting over the next few weeks, especially if either side makes significant concessions. But the EU adopts the principle of parallelism, which means that nothing's agreed until it's all agreed. And because of that, we might be waiting well into the autumn for some of the certainty that businesses are looking for. And of course, it's really important to remember that a trade deal with the EU is not a certainty. Um, both sides will need a trade deal, particularly in the light of the recovery from COVID-19. But it's not guaranteed. And we could find that we reach the end of the year with no trade deal having been agreed.
0: And Caroline, it Help me understand, these negotiations concern only trade with the EU. What about negotiations with the rest of the world? Well, now that the UK has left the
1: EU, although we are still in the transition phase, the UK can negotiate free trade agreements in its own right. Some of the agreements to which the UK was a party as a member of the EU have been rolled over. So there will be some in place come the 1st of January next year but there are some major trading partners with whom the EU doesn't have an agreement or where there's a feeling that the terms could be improved on. And the UK has started on an ambitious programme of negotiations, currently talking to the US, Japan, Australia and New Zealand. They're also looking to finalise a financial services agreement with Switzerland, And we expect that negotiations will be announced with Canada in due course. And finally, the UK has announced that it will seek accession to the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. So there is a lot of activity in the rest of the world negotiations.
0: Which agreements do we expect to be signed first? I mean, we know the US, of course, has been very vocal about a trade deal. How, How likely is that?
1: Well, we've heard a lot about the pressure to agree the deal with the US before the presidential election in early November. Um, I think that might be over-ambitious. Uh, typically, trade negotiations can take a number of years to agree. Interestingly, we heard that Japan is looking to conclude its agreement with the UK in a record six weeks. Um, and that's in, in order to enable the Japanese Parliament to ratify. The agreement in the autumn and for the deal to apply from the 1st of January. Uh, but it, it's hard to tell whether we'll be able to achieve it in that time.
0: Well, the path to a trade deal or, or not a trade deal um, seems somewhat straightforward enough, um, time scales notwithstanding. But there's one area where this becomes really very complicated, isn't there? Yes, that's, that's right, because the negotiations
1: isn't the only thing that has to be dealt with at the moment. Uh, we've also got the implementation of the withdrawal agreement, which is dealt with separately. And probably the most important and potentially most difficult element of the withdrawal agreement is the implementation of the Northern Ireland Protocol. And that needs to be in place by the end of this year, whether or not we agree a trade deal. We've had very little clarity as to how the protocol will be implemented. And it really is hoped that over the next few weeks we'll get increasing clarity because businesses really do need time to prepare.
0: Indeed. Well, let's go next to an area that has more recently become very clear. It's the movement of people. Andrea, can you share with us what we know about the UK's new immigration system and how businesses can be taking action now?
2: Thanks, Shalina. There is a year left for EU nationals who are in the UK to apply to the Settlement Scheme. This is really important as being able to work, rent and open a bank account will be impacted if the application is not submitted before the deadline which ends on the 30th of June 2021. Therefore, it is really vital to do this and businesses need to continue to remind their employees to register with the scheme. In terms of certainty for business going forward, there are three areas um, the position with your sponsor license, reviewing processes and policies, and what is next for business travel in light of Brexit and COVID 19. As you know, in January 2021, the UK immigration system will undergo the biggest shakeup we've seen in a generation all EU nationals arriving after 11pm on the 31st of December will need to obtain a work permit before they enter the UK to work. So taking each area in turn, businesses should um, obtain a sponsor licence if they don't already hold one. As I mentioned before, from January, businesses based in the UK that hire EU nationals will need to obtain a sponsor licence from the government by submitting an application to the Home Office it can take some time for the application to be considered therefore any business wishing to apply for a license should do so as soon as possible and we're seeing that the majority of uk businesses are taking action on this point now if you already have a license then you should check the expiry date as you may need to renew this year because it is the anniversary of the point space system which was introduced in 2008 and the license is valid for four years so this year is a key renewal point. Having a license will ensure that you can continue to hire EU nationals and remain attractive to potential EU candidates going
0: forward. You mentioned that businesses should review their current processes and policies. Can you tell us a bit more about what you mean by that?
2: So this is the second area of focus, which is to undertake a review of your current processes and policies. Um, So having a license brings with it many responsibilities and these include tracking expiry dates, reporting changes to your migrant circumstances, and holding the correct documents on file, to name a few. Before January, you should review your HR policies and processes to ensure that you can meet these responsibilities. When necessary, new processes must be implemented. Also, a reminder that you will need to review your employment contracts as well, to include relevant sections around the Right to Work and having a time-limited visa as follow-up Right to Work checks may be necessary for this population in order for you to remain compliant. We have a quick Are You Ready online test which will provide you with insight into your business's preparedness for the upcoming post-Brexit landscape.
0: Andrea, what about business travel? It's come to a grinding halt during the COVID pandemic, but we do expect it will return. So what do business travellers need to know about travelling for work post-Brexit?
2: From January, there will be significant change for EU nationals travelling to the UK, as well as UK nationals travelling to Europe for business. Business trips may no longer be permitted without first securing travel permission. So this means that business needs to be prepared for this change and should have a pre-travel assessment system in place to ensure compliance. The post-Brexit immigration system will bring about a lot of change to the way that mobility programs are currently run, and we're currently helping clients with this significant change.
0: Thanks for that, Andrea. There's a clear message here that moving people across borders for whatever reason requires advanced preparation, and that can all be done now. So let's turn to the movement of goods. So we've alluded to the fact that this is extremely important as it covers everything from the supply chain to tariffs and customs processes. Matt, can you explain for us everything that movement of goods encompasses and how businesses need to be preparing over the next six months, even before trade outcomes are known?
3: Thanks, Shalina. Um Absolutely. So we know that it's going to be all changed from the 1st of January 2021 uh, with the new borders coming into effect. For any goods moving in or out of the UK, there will be a customs border and in order to move those goods across that border. You'll have to submit a customs declaration to HMRC. For companies that have traded internationally before, you know, they kind of know what to expect. But there's an awful lot of companies out there that only trade with the EU previously and have never had to submit customs declaration. So it's going to be a pretty new experience for them. So I think in terms of the next six months, what should they kind of be focusing on? Well, you've just got to get the basics right. And I think this is what importers and exporters need to focus on first. Understand what data is required for a customs clearance declaration. So the the basic three data elements are the customs classification of your goods, which is a 10 digit numerical code, The customs value for your goods, that's often based on the transaction value plus insurance and freight to get the goods to the UK border and the origin. And that's where the goods originally come from were manufactured, not where they were last shipped from. So understanding that's the data that you need and there's there's a myriad of other data elements, but they're the main ones. Where can you get that data from and understanding how to get that and source that data? You've then got to understand how are you gonna transmit that to HMRC? Is that gonna be through your customs broker? So how do you collate that data and get it to your broker to submit on your behalf? Or will you do it yourself? You know, sometimes just managing this basic customs data can be quite a challenge, especially in say a retail and consumer sector where there's an awful lot of goods lines changing quite quickly and often. So that data and managing it's going to be really important. The second part is kind of mapping your supply chains and understanding what role you intend to play in those. So if you think about it from a customer's perspective, who is going to be the exporter of record to start that movement? Who's going to cover the logistics? Who's going to be the customs clearance broker? Who's going to be the importer? And understanding which of the parties in your current transactions can play each of those roles because some of them are dependent on where you're physically located and established on whether you can be an exporter or an importer. So there's quite a lot of work to do on that. I mean, what one particular area I think is quite tricky for people to, to, to get right is the mechanics of internet sales if you offer goods and then you ship them to individuals. We've been working with a lot of people that use e-commerce methods to actually sell their goods to understand whether their shipment models will still be feasible post-Brexit, Because, of course, if you're buying something for 20 to 50 pound and suddenly it costs 10 pound even for a simple declaration to get it out of the EU and then 10 pounds to import it into the UK, you're adding a 20 pound admin fee onto the tax that would add on those goods might not be feasible to ship that way anymore. So some very specific roles and industry, uh, key issues that people need to think through. But I think they're the basics and what they should focus on over the next six months.
0: And the UK global tariff regime has been published, um, is that is that different to what importers are used to?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the UK global tariff, um, you know, that's been published now, uh, it's going to come in from the 1st of January, and it will apply to all goods being imported into the UK. So everything that's imported at the moment for rest of world, and everything that's brought in from the EU into the UK in the future. And obviously, that becomes the default position. So the tariff rates that are in there, that's what you pay unless the UK agrees a free trade agreement. Uh, For example, we could end up with a free trade agreement with the EU. As as Caroline said, you know, we're all hopeful for that. But the default position is this tariff will come into effect. It it is significantly different to the draft customs tariff that was published uh, under Theresa May when she was the prime minister. Um, so it's worthwhile for any companies that have done Brexit assessments or Brexit cost modeling um, that you need to refresh that and do it again to see how this tariff is affected. that particular cost modeling that had been previously undertaken. But, but I do think overall, um, you know, it's quite good news from that tariff. Most of the rates seem to be reduced. Some nuisance uh, rates below two and a half percent removed completely. It's simplified. We've got rid of complex calculations for nursing tables that were used for food stuff. So generally a little bit cheaper, you know, a little bit simpler. But of course, businesses might still end up paying overall a higher duty bill because they're having to apply those tariffs to goods coming in from the EU. So pretty good news, but but you know, still gonna have an increase in cost on all that UK-EU traffic of goods.
0: And Matt, so Caroline mentioned the Northern Ireland border before. How does this affect moving goods between Great Britain and Northern Ireland?
3: So it's still relatively new. You know, we had announcements from Prime Minister Johnson uh, in June that there would need to be some form of electronic declaration to move goods from Great Britain into Northern Ireland. Um, And again, this would kick in from the 1st of January 2021. I mean, what they've said is there'll need to be some form of basic declaration. What we're hearing is that that will be a combination of basic customs data, safety and security data, but also key is that you'll have to be able to log the vehicle, either registration number or trailer details uh, for the goods moving from GB into Northern Ireland, and they'll need to be sent into HMRC and the port notified of those shipments before the goods move so that that is a key difference and it's still everything seems to be a little bit up in the air at the moment in terms of Northern Ireland Uh, we're getting a flurry of different statements come out there's been an awful lot of different articles um, put out in the press speculating how this system could work but we're still waiting for clarity on that I mean one thing that is quite important to note is whilst there seems to be a huge amount of focus from goods moving from Great Britain into Northern Ireland. We haven't had a huge amount of detail on the reverse flow. So goods going from Northern Ireland into the UK will be treated as UK goods. But, but what about goods that originate in the Republic of Ireland that then maybe transit through Northern Ireland to get into Great Britain? That's a flow that hasn't seen an awful lot of detail put out there yet, but I suspect that detail will come over the remaining six months of the year.
0: And what about the border between the UK and the EU?
3: Yeah, so again, this is this is quite new. <laughs> I appreciate like a lot of people are thinking there's a lot hit of them at once uh, in terms of publications from the UK government. We've we've now had some detail on that, and it will be. A phased border implementation plan and actually I think this is a good idea because it eases the impact on the business from day one for the first six months of 2021 so roughly it's split into three phases Um, phase one that takes effect is from January 2021 importers won't be required to submit full customs declarations for inbound goods coming from the EU into the UK. Now, this is what we're focusing on at the moment, not rest of world movements, just EU-UK goods. Now, what you've got to remember is even though you don't need to submit a full declaration for the first six months till July 2021, you still got to keep really good records of everything that's moving. Because in July 2021, HMRC will expect a consolidated six-month customs declaration return for all the movements that have come in over that six-month period as long as and in addition paying over uh, any customs duty that's not been paid during that six-month period so you've got to Keep a tally of your records and keep a tally of the duty that needs to be paid over in July. So it's really important that because the way that the press has actually reported that, it's almost as if do nothing for six months. But it is absolutely not the right thing to do. You've still got to keep all your records in one place and understand how much tax you owe. Phase two of that implementation runs from April 2021, so any goods that are imported that are of animal origin, so think about things like dairy and meat products, regulated plant products are also included in there, will require a pre-notification via a specific electronic system called IPAFS that you will have to negotiate, and also all the relevant health certification, veterinary checks, documentation, and paperwork will also be required from 1st of April 2021 for goods coming in from the EU into the UK. We're still thinking that they'll experience less physical checks at the border until July, but notably all of the licensing and the supporting paperwork has to come into play and you have to have all that ready from April. And then the last phase really is everything gets back to normal on these inbound shipments. So from 1st of July 2021, full customs declarations come in, full safety and security declarations to get the goods in and physical checks will start to happen at the border for all of the veterinary and and phyto plant checks and all that type of stuff. So I I think it is a phased implementation. I think it's helpful. Um, One thing to note for export movements, so for goods that are leaving the UK and going into the EU, we've not had any concessions as yet from the EU side. So I think you have to prepare that from day one, the 1st of January, 2021, for goods exiting the UK into the EU, you'll have to do full customs declarations with full safety, security, and health certification required from day one. So that phased implementation to give a little bit of leeway and a little bit of time to get used to anything only applies for inbound goods from the EU, not outbound goods. So I think that's just really important to keep in mind.
0: Wow, that is a lot to keep track of. (laughs) Thanks very much for that, Matt. And thank you, Caroline and Andrea as well for your insights. While we've had so much uncertainty about Brexit for so long, what's become clear is that businesses now have enough clarity about how Brexit will impact their operations and that they can and should be taking action to prepare now. For up-to-date guidance and insights on Brexit's impact on your business, please visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash Brexit. We'll return soon to dive deeper into the complexities of the Northern Irish Protocol and how it will impact firms who rely on moving goods between Northern Ireland and Great Britain and with the Republic of Ireland and some of the opportunities that it might create for the Northern Ireland market. That's all for now. Thank you and stay safe.